Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. As we prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord read and proclaimed, let me just say this, that it's so good to see a whole different crowd of you this week. Some of you are the same that I've seen. A couple of you were here last week, but it's just good to see each of you and to see your faces back here in this place that we love. For those of you that are still joining us by live stream, I am thankful that you are with us as well again this day, the day that the Lord has made. So let us prepare our hearts as we hear the word of the Lord read and proclaimed. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten uh, virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any extra oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here comes the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, no, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were away to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came, sir, sir, open the door for us. And he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, speak so clearly to our hearts this day that we might be filled with your spirit and go forth from this place transformed, transformed in the lives that burn brightly for you to show the world what it means to be a follower of the risen Christ, not just hearers of your word but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Many of you will remember the oil crisis of the 1970s. You know when the OPEC cartel created that embargo and forced our country into a gas crisis. Long lines at the pump, rationing, higher prices, even as we continue to drive those steel dinosaurs that we loved in the 70s, you know those cars like the Cutlass Oldsmobile that got, you know, two gallons to the mile. But you fast forward from the oil crisis of the 70s to 2005. Hurricane Katrina barreled through the Gulf like a Viking army creating paths of destruction, both in the gas and oil platforms, but even in the refineries along the Gulf Coast, along with the destruction of homes and properties in life as they knew it. 
Immediately as that storm rolled ashore, it was almost the 70s gas crisis, deja vu. There were long lines at the gas pump. Prices skyrocketed. People were afraid. Businesses shut early so that folks could get home, maybe gas up, so that no one would be without. It seemed as if the end of the world was coming in that moment. Or in 2010, when the BP Deep Oil Horizon had that horrific spill in the Gulf, once again, we found ourselves in a mini modern oil crisis, though on a much smaller scale. Each of these episodes, each of these crises remind me of how dependent we are on petroleum to fuel our lives and to help us get around, to do the things that we like to do, to be able to travel, to visit, to carry on life as we know it. Today's text out of the Gospel of Matthew is this very interesting text. And there's a little bit of a two parts to this. First of all, it's very apocalyptic in nature. Jesus is talking to the crowd and he says that there will be a come, there's a time when those who are prepared and there are those that are unprepared to meet the risen Christ. The day and the time are unknown. And when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to the people as if they're not totally aware of who he is or what he's about. But then you also remember Matthew is writing this gospel later after Jesus has died and has been raised from the dead. So he is writing this gospel to a group of people who have been anxiously awaiting the second coming. And so Matthew is using Jesus's words to also remind the people that we don't know when it's going to happen, but be prepared. You don't want to miss the joy of the banquet, the joy of the coming of the kingdom. You don't want to be left outside the door. And because it's apocalyptic in nature, some might say, oh no, here we go. It's that turn or burn sermon. If you came looking for one of those, you're not going to get that here. That's at the Flaming Sword of Joshua Church down on the highway. No, instead, what I want us to focus on here is how this text applies to our lives right here, right now, where we are in the world. See, this passage is about a modern-day oil crisis, not one that involves the patrolling that would come out of the Gulf, but one that involves our hearts. See, over the last seven and a half months, we have let the virus of the pandemic, we have let the virus of racism, the virus of divisive politics, the virus of selfish individualism creep into our homes, creep into our lives, creep into our hearts in such a way that it diminishes our relationship with God. It diminishes our relationship with Christ. This insidiousness of these viruses, they've taken our eyes off of Christ. And we forget who we are and what we're about. See, our lamps, the lamps of our lives, they burn dimly because they lack oil. But it doesn't have to be this way. That's what Matthew is encouraging the world. That's what Jesus is telling the people that hear his teachings. That our lives don't have to be this way, devoid of oil where our lamps burn dimly. See, the oil that we need is a faith in God, a faith in Christ. 
It is needed to light the world, to light the kingdom, to show the way of Christ for everyone. And we find this oil by digging deep, by drilling deep down through the hard layer of our lives and letting God's spirit bubble up from inside of us. In scriptures throughout the Old and the New Testament, we hear phrases like, fear not for I am with you. Though the mountains may crumble and tumble into the heart of the sea, though the seas may roar and fall in, I will not let you fall. I am with you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Or we hear in the Psalms, yea, though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, my friends, and no matter what comes, this is how we are to anchor our lives in that kind of faith that God is with us no matter what and God will not let us fall if we anchor our lives in that premise. See, we lack faith when we let fear run our lives. We lack faith when we act on our own intuition and not trusting God and God's call upon us. We lack faith, we lack that oil when we give up fighting the viruses that are around us and we give in and we throw our hands up and we say, I quit. See, at that point, our lamps are empty and the flame has flickered out. See, that's not how we are called to live, though. We must drill deep inside of our hearts for that faith. As John Wesley says, we must seek faith by all the means necessary. Everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, we must seek faith in everything that we do. You see, it's faith that lights the darkness of the world. I think of children when they are young and we're putting them to bed at night. We, every time we do this, every family seems to have a nightlight. We leave a nightlight. And the reason why we do this is as children are developing, they lack object permanence. That's why the game peekaboo works so well with them is they close their eyes. They think you've disappeared. Same thing happens at night that if the room that they're in goes dark, all of their stuff disappears. They lack that permanence. The nightlight helps them see that it's always there. The nightlight helps them understand that everything is going to be okay, that they are safe and secure, that evil is at bay, that it is all right in their room, so that even if they wake up in the middle of the night, that they are okay. Even if they hear something that creaks in the house as it settles in the evening, the light shows them that they are okay. The nightlight assures them. You all know that I believe in the depth of my very being that the church is God's greatest hope for the world. And let me tell you why that is. It's because when the church people come together, when people full of faith that we add our lights one next to the other, we begin to burn brightly so that all of the world sees that it is not alone, that God is right there, that God has been there all the time from the beginning of time all the way up through today, that God is present that everything is okay, that we are safe and secure. And because the light of the church burns so brightly in the world that evil is chased to the corners. 
So it is faith that is the oil for our lamps. And if the oil is that precious resource that lights the world, how do we find it? How do we obtain that for ourselves so that our lamps are always full and burning brightly? In college, I took a science class. I needed another science credit. I needed one without a lab. And so they offered this survey course called From Petroleum to Penicillin, a survey of chemical engineering. Now, those of you that are chemical engineers, I will tell you, I'm in awe of what you do. In this class, you would have laughed at. It was a simple class, but it helped us see, those of us that were non-science majors, how the petroleum industry has been made up in everything that we do, from nylon to styrofoam to spandex to obviously motor oils and gasolines. But as a part of this class, we learned how petroleum was extracted, how you had to seek the oil, how you had to explore to find the right spot, and then how to drill down to access the oil that had been under the crust of the earth for eons. How to pump it to the surface to extract it to be used and ultimately how to refine that oil so that it would make a difference in the world. As I think about that class, I think about this conversation about spiritual oil, the same practices for extracting petroleum can work for this spiritual oil of faith. I mean, we must seek it, right? We must explore our faith. We must look for where to find this idea of faith and how to grow it. We take that by looking in this book, the Holy Bible. I mean, the beauty of the Protestant Reformation, the beauty of Gutenberg's printing press, or even the King James Version of the Bible, was that it made it possible for all followers of Christ to have their own copy of God's Word. So that it was no longer just the priest in the pulpit telling you what the Bible said and interpreting, but it gave us all a chance to read it for ourselves and to explore it. Just a few weeks ago, we gave our kindergartners and third graders their own copy of the Bible. As we did that, what I told them is this, was that this book is a storybook. It's the greatest book. It's got the greatest story ever. And then in this story, there's a story of God's people doing amazing things. God's people doing some not so nice things. It's got funny stories like talking donkeys. It's got miracles. It's got sad stories. But through it all, God is active in the world. God is loving all of us. And so for us to have faith, we've got to seek that story out. But then once we found it here, it's not just enough to read the words. We've got to drill down into them to go beyond the surface of the story. I mean, think about it. Think about the Christmas story. We tell that story every year. You know it by heart. You know what it means. But when was the last time that you read it word for word? When was the last time? See, my English teacher in high school, Bonnie Cook, she taught us that the great authors, that they don't just write stories, they choose their words. Their words help tell the story more descriptively, more intentionally. And so when we sit there and we take the stories of the Bible, and we look at them more in depth, we drill down on them and ask ourselves, why this word, why this repetition of phrases, why this? It begins to inform and instruct our faith. Take last week's scripture, for example, 
It's not an accident that Jesus said, love your God with all your heart, all your might, and all your soul. That's different than just love your God, isn't it? Those words recorded in Matthew's gospel have meaning for our lives. So for us to refill our lamps of spiritual oil, we've got to drill down. But it's not enough to just read the words. Not enough to ponder them, but we've got to pump those words. We've got to bring them up through our soul. We've got to pray about them, to ask ourselves, what have we learned about this passage? How does this passage inform our lives? What is God calling us to do? What is God calling me to do? with the words that I read today in Scripture. And then once we've brought that to the surface, we need to refine it. The joy of being in community, the joy of having folks who walk along the journey of faith with us is that we have fellowship, that we come together and we begin to refine those words. This is what I hear in Scripture. This is what I hear. And in that dialogue, we perfect and we hear more clearly what God is calling us to do. When we gather for worship and we listen to how it happens in prayer, in creed, in scripture, in song, we begin to hear those words refined so beautifully. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, keep those lamps trimmed and burning. See, we hear those words and now the words of the scripture mean something more to us and influences our faith. And when it becomes that, we catch on fire. We begin to burn brightly and it becomes just like the scriptures say, do we hide this new knowledge under a bush? Oh no. Instead, we are a city on a hill for all the world to see. And our faith burns brightly. The beauty of this kind of work the beauty of digging deeper in our faith, of discovering it and pumping it to the surface and refining it, the beauty of Methodism is that we have an experiential faith that focuses on our relationships with each other and community, but our relationship with God, and we journey together. So as we fill our lives, as we fuel our lives with faith, we show the world the light of Christ's grace the light of Christ's love. And as we show the world that, we begin to pave the way so that others too want to be in the light with us and they want to fill their lamps with the oil of faith. And it's in that moment that we understand that we must keep our lamps trimmed and burning by constantly refilling that reservoir by coming back and going deeper in our faith and giving thanks for God speaking to us. So as we continue to worship, as we go forth into the world, may our lights burn so brightly that all the world may see. May we keep our lamps trimmed and burning for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God's love for us and for all the world. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.